0: Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Koski. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well being with amazing guests. Enjoy! To another episode of Balance 365 Life Radio. Today we have a really, really special guest for you. We have on Danica. Danica was one of the earliest members of our free Facebook community, Healthy Habits Happy Moms. Our first employee, and since joining our coaching program, Balance 365, Danica has established strong habits that support her goals, and as a result, she's improved her sleep cut back on liquid calories that weren't serving her, return to exercise she enjoys, and she's lost 50 pounds. Danica lives in Las Vegas with her husband, Steven, and three children, Miriam, Leo, and Benji, and their elder German shepherd. And fun fact, her and Lauren have two kiddos with the same names, and she's patiently waiting for Lauren to have another baby, Miriam. We'll see if that happens, though. I can't wait for you to hear more about Danica's journey because as a busy mom to three kiddos, she really understands how to make habits work for you when life seems to feel chaotic all the time. But first, I want to share with you that our flagship behavior change health and wellness coaching program, Balance 365, is on sale for just a few more days. Balance 365 is your complete step-by-step health, wellness, and weight loss program that breaks down healthy habits into simple, manageable steps. We specialize in keeping it simple and showing you the habits that really matter when it comes to long-lasting change. So say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises. This is about more than just food, exercise, and weight loss. This is about living a life you're 100% in love with. You can visit balance365.co now to join. And if you're listening to this and miss this opportunity, don't worry. We have a couple sales every year and the program is always available at its regular price on our website, balance365.co. All right, let's get going. Ladies, welcome to the show. We have a super special guest. Danica, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're great. Good. Thank you for joining us. This is, um, I, sh- I feel like we share this every time, but this is the second time we're trying to record this. <laughs> the first time we had some audio difficulties again. Yeah.
1: Somebody help us. <laughs> it's going to be
0: even better this time, though. But yeah. true to balance 365 philosophy, it's a lot of trial and error. And sometimes you just have to mess up to get it right, right? Exactly. Yeah. No failures, just growing moments. Learning experiences. <laughs> yes. And
1: and it went wrong on my end this time, and I have corrected the problem. Now I know.
0: Knock on wood.
1: Knock on wood. Um, Jen, how are you doing? Good. Really good. Yeah. We had our first day of school today, so I'm feeling really happy and optimistic, and it's like mom's New Year's Eve was last night, and
0: <laughs> so- Exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So Danica, we asked you to join us because we are certain, I mean, we know your story, but our listeners listening don't know your story. Um, you have had quite the journey with Balance Three Sixty Five, and you were kind of a pioneer for us <laughs> early on. You joined our community really, really early on. You've been with us for a while, and you have um, some really great insights into our community and our program. And we just would love to hear your experience. So, if you don't mind, let's just jump right in and tell us how did you even find uh, when you found us? We were Healthy Habits Happy Moms. Um, we've since transition, to balance 365, but how did you find us?
2: You know, I was trying to think of that today and I am not a hundred percent sure. I think it might have been through like go or something, which is not even a thing anymore, but um, yeah, I saw that there was a science based mom, group called Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, and I remember that I wasn't even following you guys on social media at that time, and so I quick followed you all on um, Facebook and Instagram, I think, and then um, I asked to be let in, and I think you only had like 200 member, like less than 200 members, and I remember messaging Jen and being like, uh, I really need this, so <laughs> <laughs> Can I get in? <laughs> like can you fast track me in? <laughs> and
0: can you tell us a little bit about like where you were at when you joined the program? Like what were you doing? What was your experience with health and fitness and food and like what was your mindset like?
2: Yeah, I had just left basically left the fitness industry because i was injured um i had a really long ongoing foot injury that eventually i got surgery to fix but um it was like a mystery for a really long time super disheartening a lot of doctors told me nothing was wrong with me and i have been working at a big box gym um, a big gym chain as a group fitness instructor and I always like to say that one day I just looked around and I saw the matrix. Like I realized that here are these people that, um, you know, presumably are setting an example, an example of health and wellness. And I would see them doing things that were just super unhealthy. And I would be like, man, what is the freaking point of us, we're killing ourselves, working out six or eight hours a day at high intensity, if we're gonna be like, scraping the apples off our salad, or, you know, sucking down fat burners in our duffel bag at a training, or um, like, I had a friend who told me, oh, my weight has been stuck for, Months and I had given up all my um, carbohydrates, and then, like, I finally was willing to give up my half a cup of oatmeal at breakfast, and I lost another two pounds. And I just remember being like, "Seriously, you know, like this is what we're, we're, we're doing to ourselves. Like, we can't eat a healthy food like oatmeal."
1: Yeah, and and doing to other people often in that we see. Um, there's a study done, um, on group fitness instructors a couple years ago, and I think it polled, um, about 800 fitness instructors, men and women, and 60% of the females, um, qualified as having, um, disordered eating tendencies and 22% of the men did. And so in the fitness industry, it is often... The blind leading the blind out there, <laughs> and, and it's scary because the fitness industry and the diet industry has such a hold on people. Yeah,
0: and I I think Lauren, if if she were able to join us, she would say that she was, you know, one of those people. And I I think a lot of those, um, myself included, are enter the fitness industry or the wellness industry, kind of seeking their own salvation, and it's a way to maybe hold themselves accountable or to. Um, kind of stick to their own goals in some twisted right. way. And so I think it's just really – that's a good point, Danica and Jen, that just be cautious when you're taking advice from people in the fitness industry. Just know that how they grew up, where they came from, their own personal struggles may all personally affect their their bias and the information they're passing on. Yeah,
2: and as I have gotten older, I've realized that someone's education is a lot more applicable to what they what kind of a service they can provide for me as a professional than what they look like so i think as fitness professionals sometimes we can get into a place where we're thinking like our body is our resume and that is just super dangerous because there are a million um different factors that can go into what someone's body looks like and and you know 99% of them have nothing to do with how well they can teach you to live a whole and healthy lifestyle.
1: Right. And I think we've said this on the podcast before. I mean, our company is called Balance 365, but for any fitness professionals listening in, really, what is your job as a fitness professional? And is it to not show people how to live healthy, balanced lives? Like, should that, like, really, that's the real goal? For the general population, right? It's a very small percentage of people that want to, you know, lean down and be going to like fitness competitions or whatever, or are athletes. But for general population, how we can best serve them really is by showing them and role modeling a healthy balance with food, fitness, life, right?
0: Absolutely. So, Danica, you were just leaving the fitness industry. You messaged Jen, and you're like, I need in, and you get in the community, and what happens?
2: Well, I got super involved right away. I mean, you guys remember that I um, I just, I totally bought in. I loved that you guys were evidence-based, that you um, encouraged moms to be talking about themselves and their own goals. And because we totally can get sidetracked by, you know, only talking about our kids and our families and just let ourselves fa- fall by the wayside. And so I remember, um, you know, just a paradigm shift where we're talking about, you know, our own first person experiences and the goals we have for our own selves. And we did talk about our families, of course. It's a huge part of who anyone is, their family. But primarily we focused on ourselves and um, just the science of living a healthy lifestyle as opposed to a lot of groups or systems where you just get bombarded with tons of unnecessarily unnecessary supplements or extreme regimens or whatever. And I just remember the early days we were doing a habit of the month um, and just sticking with that for the whole month and the camaraderie of that um, just being just fantastic. And of course I hung out with you guys so much online that eventually I made you give me a job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You didn't make us. You were just created value for yourself. You were just the boss. You You were
1: were. the boss in that group. (laughs) You were our first employee. I was. Yep. The yep. first yep.
2: non-Gen Annie Lauren employee. Yep. Yes. Back in the day.
0: So if what I'm hearing is correct, it sounds like um, you kind of realized that what was happening or that maybe the route that was kind of before you wasn't the route you wanted to go on. But you and you had already started on some of your own kind of more balanced, moderate habits. Um, and at the time we did have a, uh, program called balance 365, but you didn't join right away. You kind of just hung out, right?
2: Well, it wasn't even called balance 365 yet. And I didn't join until maybe the third cohort of balance 365, which again, I don't even think it was called that yet, but, um, I just
0: it's remember, been an evolution. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember talking to you guys and saying like, no, I don't want to eat less food. Like I I knew that I couldn't up my physical activity level that much because of my injury, and I didn't want to eat less because I, at that point, I maintained my weight for about 18 months, and I just remember I had never done that before. I was always either going up or down and constantly monitoring it, but I remember at that point I had – started tracking a couple of, ha- well, not tracking, but I had started adding a couple of habits like protein and produce. That's what I've always called it, protein and produce. Um, and I was happy with how it made me feel mentally and how it affected my physical performance because I didn't limit anything. So I was eating more calories. I was focused on just nourishing myself, um, both physically with food and, um, I guess spiritually and emotionally just healing from a pretty traumatic experience working in the fitness industry. And, um, so I can't say enough, honestly, for spending time, I mean, 18 months probably feels like a really long time to somebody that wants to lose 30, 60, a hundred pounds, but it in actuality, set me up for such a successful period of my life where I got to learn what it means to be thinking very little about weight loss in my body and to just be focused on living my life. And so I just remember talking to you guys at the time and and just saying that I wasn't ready. Like I knew I wasn't ready. Uh, to commit to any changes. I was really happy with my lifestyle the way it was. And although in a perfect world, sure, I would have liked to lose some fat. I just, it w- wasn't worth it to me to make myself spin out mentally if just to lose a few pounds or to lose the mental gains that I had made. And so it took me, what, 18 months, close to two years to commit to, or to be ready to be in a place where I felt like I could commit to making some changes with moderation and um, pursuing, I guess, a fat loss goal.
1: I think, too, one thing that people don't talk about enough, um, but us at Balance 365, we consider weight maintenance a win. Like, for a lot of women, that's a huge Deal if your weight is going up and down and up and down, and you go through a long period of just maintaining your weight, what that means is you are eating to your energy needs. So, you're probably, you know, we hope you're getting more in touch with your hunger cues, your satiety cues, and every day you're eating to almost the exact amount of calories that you need without, you know, tracking, without um, obsessing over it. and that's a big deal and i would say for a woman who has gone up and down um quite a bit throughout her life fat loss probably isn't <clears throat> may not be a realistic goal as your first step like a more realistic goal as your first step may just be hey whoa pause let's just see if i can maintain this weight for a while
2: yeah right cuz your body <laughs> does not want to lose weight right it is hard or fat because um that's just not how we're wired, you know, biologically. And so it is just so much more reasonable. And you're still ahead. If you maintain, you're still ahead of if you had gone overboard, real gung-ho, lost 20 pounds, then gained 40. And you're worse off than where you started. And you have the additional shame of feeling that you failed at something that you set out to do. Right. which is just so mentally damaging
1: right the other thing danica i remember you talking about this um because i remember that period when you were like no i'm in maintenance mode and you felt good um about that which is great own your choices we love it that's all we want for women um but i remember you saying that you learned in that process that the benefits of learning to love your body um at a higher body fat percentage than you prefer. Do you want to talk about that at all?
2: Oh, totally. And not even just my body fat, but um, I was at a point where I was limited to what I could do because I was injured and then I had surgery and then I was recovering. And so just getting over some of my, like, I guess, ableism tendencies and, um, propensities, being able to appreciate the things that my body could do, even when it couldn't do any, you know, anything I wanted it to do. Like, would I like to have gone for a run? Sure. But I wasn't able to do that. But I still could be thankful for, you know, strong arms to lift up my children or the ability to, I did start lifting heavy during that time, heavier, I guess. Like, I learned to deadlift during that time. Um, and, uh, just being able to find forms of movement that met me where I was. Like, I remember, I remember when I was working in the fitness industry, I would have told you that I had no upper body strength, but once I started eating, um, an appropriate amount of calories for my activity level. And I started um, really paying attention to what was happening in my body. I realized like that was just a, a limiting belief that I had expressed in myself. There was no, I have no upper body strength, you know, that was a myth that I had believed about myself. And so it was a time when I learned so much about my body, particularly about um appreciating and uh, loving my body for what it could do and even just achieving body neutrality and not focusing on aesthetics so not um focusing so much on what my body looked like but on what it allowed me to do i can remember talking about in the in the group i can remember our first gratitude journal and talking about like this is the body that allows me to hug my children this is the body that allows me to um, to be with my husband this is the body that allows me to experience um the ocean that allows me to experience warmth and seasons and temperatures and all the things that i love
1: right just getting in touch with your senses right it's it's beautiful um, do we want to move on and talk about your Balance 365 journey?
2: Sure. So I feel like it's kind of in two components because I first did Balance 365 and on the very first habit, I had like such incredible success. It really, um, it was the only habit that I managed to to get to stick for about six months and it was all I needed. I experienced um, pretty rapid fat loss um, at a reasonable pace. And um, really only from changing one thing, which is that I uh, went to three to four meals and no snacking.
1: Right. And so- I was just going to say that just for anyone listening um, and to go back to previous podcasts to understand that we don't do rules, we do guidelines and one of our guidelines in Balance 365, um, I think that we talk about it in Balance 365 Secrets and um, another podcast we have about four nutritional mistakes you might be making and so we do guidelines and what we're trying to do is shift women away from grazing all day because um, just like fine print that, We're trying to help people get in touch with their hunger and satiety again. So when you eat less often um, but larger meals, you can just get in touch with your internal signals better and be able to self-regulate with food. And it can be a really big um, game changer for some women, especially those who are grazing quite a bit or eating between meals, right? Right.
2: Yeah, so I, I remember pushing back on that. It was the very first habit because back then we did them one at a time. We didn't even get them all at the beginning. We just got them one at a time. And I can remember really being resistant to it and talking to Lauren and her being like, okay, just just try it before you freak out. And I was like, <laughs> um, "So and so I did. And it was just enormously successful for me personally and, um, getting in touch with my hunger cues. And then, um, we, I had experienced secondary infertility and then we had been trying for quite a while to get pregnant. And during that time I got pregnant again. And then I was super sick for my whole pregnancy. I didn't, um, I didn't gain any ground. Sometimes we talk about that. My husband's a Marine. Sometimes we talk about Periods where we gain ground and periods where we're just like holding the line.
1: Right. <laughs> so just <laughs> life.
2: Yes, right. And so I didn't gain any ground during my pregnancy or even early postpartum. Um, my son was born, my youngest son was born in August of 2017, same as Lauren, and they have the same name. <laughs> and um and I don't even know when I weighed. Like I didn't keep track of it. I didn't worry about it. I was just trying to build a healthy baby and keep myself strong as possible. I was in physical therapy. Um, so he was born in August. I'm pretty sure I started the, uh, the postpartum program uh, in September. And I was still seeing my physical therapist, and she helped me so much to adjust the program to my personal needs. So I really recommend anybody to see someone if they can and then um, use that as a supplement. And then uh, I just started again in November. I, I stepped on the scale one day and I thought, man, I just feel totally neutral about this number. I feel completely um, neutral about my body and i'm ready to start experimenting on myself again like i had such a foundation of maintaining my weight for quite some time and knowing exactly what that took um knowing um that any changes i would make going forward i knew i wanted them to be completely sustainable and nothing crazy And so I did start making some small changes, mostly just a lot of asking myself like, is this worth it? Is this donut worth it? Is this uh, beer worth it? Is this, and how does it make me feel? Just a lot of paying attention to how food made me feel, how drinks made me feel, and deciding um, how I wanted my life to look. So, I mentioned in the previous recording that one of the things that got kind of pushed out was um, a lot of my beverages with calories because I live in a desert and I always feel like I can never get enough water. And so just in listening to my body and realizing I need probably more water than somebody living in, you know, Des Moines. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then, um, because I live in Las Vegas. And so some of my other beverages have just fallen away because I have just realized I feel better drinking quite a bit more water.
1: And just back to the donut thing, real quick, since we are all about moderation. Sometimes the donut is worth it, right? And sometimes the beer is worth it. And sometimes it isn't. Yeah, it's up to you, right? Right.
2: Yeah, I love that because. I mean, I'm a grown-up now, and when I was in my 20s, maybe I wanted somebody to tell me, you know, a list of foods that I could not couldn't eat. And now, as an adult, a full-fledged (laughs) 30-something adult mother of three, I just know that I I don't need anybody else exerting that authority over me and my body, that I have the body autonomy to say, uh, yeah, that donut is a hundred percent worth it. And so like, one of the things that I always say is if it's not really good, it's not worth it to me because I just don't need, there's so many sweets or so many treats out there. And most of them are probably mediocre. And I, I really only have time for the ones that are really delicious. So
1: that's awesome. And one of habit that you got quite serious about and why we really wanted to actually bring you on the podcast was you had sort of a big foundational habit that you finally tackled that ended up affecting all of your other habits that has led you here today which is basically 10 months into a really substantial weight loss um, journey right
2: yeah so in November I started tracking and feeling just super neutral about my body weight and since then so I you tracking tracking your weight my weight mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. not my food but my weight and since then I've lost 50 pounds so I think it's did you say it's in nine months I'm not even sure
1: is it ten months? November and then S- September. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So it's about so we're looking at about five pounds a month, which is which is really quite reasonable. And I'm sure you had spurts and stalls and all of that, as is very normal in any fat loss journey. Um, but the point being that you you did it and you did it over ten months and you feel it sustainable and it's something that belongs to you forever you don't have to hold on to it real tight and micromanage it and as people often do who are dieting you know there's just so much fear around when am I going to gain this back right right
2: yeah I mean I have um the the biggest change that I have made is that I completely overhauled and changed my relationship with sleep and there I mean a year ago I would have I would have scoffed at the idea that really it could make such a big difference but um i have always been a terrible sleeper um my kids have all been good sleepers so it's all 100% me i can't even blame my children um but i i always feel like i need to um be constantly calculating my value based on my productivity. And so to me, that always means if I can stay up a couple hours after everybody else is asleep and get a bunch of stuff done, then um, that that will make me better and more valuable. And so changing my emotional relationship with sleep where I can appreciate the value of it and choose sleep when theoretically I could be doing something else and see it as a productive activity and not as a waste of time has, has just changed, honestly, my entire life. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is what has enabled me to feel like I am sacrificing very little to lose that five pounds a month or whatever. I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything because, I mean, I can remember, like, back in the day when I was just first starting to learn about all this stuff, I can remember hearing someone say, um, like, that the best thing that you can do is sleep for your metabolism or for your diet, and just, I can remember scoffing at that idea, and so maybe there is someone who will be listening to this podcast and just scoff at the idea that well, you don't know me. I I have this much weight to lose. Well, I mean, I've lost 50 pounds and I feel that I have sacrificed very little to do that.
1: One thing I think too, like, like you know, we're again, evidence-based, strive to be an evidence-based company and fat loss is still a calories in and calories out equation, but it's really how sleep, affects your behaviors and your hormones and your energy. And that's why it can be such a strong foundational habit. It's really hard for us. So sleep is a habit in Balance 365 that we talk about and we really encourage people to work on because it is very, very difficult for me. And I do not feel right telling a woman, you know, maybe a sleep-deprived postpartum mom that she just needs to do more to lose this weight, right? They actually need to do a bit less and they're just so burnt out. And so what sleep does is um, provides us with more energy during the day. Um, There's evidence that shows um, people who are chronically exhausted have their hunger signals are stronger, um, their satiety signals don't work as optimally as they should. So it really is just a path to um, eating more and then under... And then not moving, whether that's you just don't have the energy to exercise or you just, you just don't have energy, period. So it's hard for you to even get off the couch and move
0: from the living room to the kitchen. I've read of thing. Um, a study just recently that showed um, that the cognitive decision-making abilities of people that were sleep-deprived were comparable to people that have had two alcoholic drinks. Wow. So it's like your ability to like, should I do this? Should I not? Like, I mean, should I exercise after two glasses of wine? I, I'm guessing that answer is probably going to be no. Like like, right. you're just exhausted at that point. And that's why, that's why there's such snowball habits or cornerstone habits because they do have this like domino effect on the rest of your day. Like you have more sleep, you have more energy, your decision-making skills become better. I know personally when I'm tired, I cannot keep my hand out of the cookie jar or the cracker box or the chip bag like I just I'm constantly searching for like food as energy like just right. maybe if I eat something I'll I'll feel better I'll I'll feel a little bit more energized so most people are going to crave sugar
1: when they are tired and that is normal and um, we have a blog post about it called five reasons you're craving sugar and if you're tired and you your body needs rest and sleep to restore, um, and you're not giving that to your body, it will search for energy in other places, which for human beings is simple carbs typically. So you will crave all of those um,
0: high energy, high calorie snacks usually. But what do most people do? They say, no, I need to cut out sugar versus yeah, maybe I should I need sleep, to sleep more. a little bit. And, and then I will crave sugar less right? And, or, you know, yeah. And Danica, I think um, we probably cut you off before you got to this yeah, point. Yeah, she's just but... nodding now. Now <laughs> yeah, just, it's just Annie and Jen I just, interview. I just it's go our life life now. now. little rants. <laughs> um, but this is not like a sleep habit is not something you fix in a week or even a month. Because after a month, you have shared that you were still kind of like, I'm still kind of tired.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, so I actually had heard on a, a podcast that – if you go one night where you sleep less than, I think it said six hours, which for me was a good night. Like that would be like my maximum that I I would ever sleep was six hours. And they had said, um, it was another science one, not a health one, but, and they had said that if you go less than six hours, that that sleep deficit will continue to affect you cognitively for 72 hours. And so, and so it's not even just like you make it up the next day. It's an ongoing thing where you get into such a sleep deficit. So I found that my first commitment was to go to bed before midnight, which I knew, like it seemed almost laughable to commit to that. And I didn't even want to tell anyone because it seemed so stupid, but it was really hard for me. I never went to bed before midnight. I was always up super, super late and, um, And then up early, you know, around six probably for my kids. And, um, and so just committing to trying to get that six hours of sleep minimum every night, it was a, it was a pretty big undertaking, but doable, which I think is the best kind of, that's one thing that I have always taken away from Balance 365 is that the best kind of goal is one that only challenges you a little bit, feels totally doable. And so, um. Yeah, my first month, I committed to going to bed before midnight. And I remember at the end of that month, just thinking, I am still so freaking tired. If anything, I think I noticed it more
1: right.
0: because
2: I, it was on my mind more. And so um, I remember my husband saying like, okay, but you're still only going to bed at midnight. Maybe there's still room for improvement here, like before you throw it out. And so since then, um, I've done a lot of things to improve my sleep hygiene, like limit screens before bed, which again, I know if anybody is scoffing at that right now, I know what it is to feel that way. I absolutely felt that way. And the best thing I can say is just experiment on yourself for a month. Just give it a try um the worst that can happen is that you miss a few emails in the evening or some facebook updates and they will still be there in the morning <laughs> and so yeah i um cut way back on caffeine i increased my um just care for myself um in the evenings i do more tea and baths and less facebook and caffeine Um, I try to wind down.
1: It sounds like you actually shifted your definition of self care, which, um, we try and talk to women about this a lot because we, you know, you see a lot of posts that are like, you know, did XYZ, you know, self care for today, and certain activities have a law of diminishing returns in that you aren't. It's not always self-care. It can often, I mean, it might be to start, but then it crosses the line into numbing and you're actually just like numbing and you're going through Facebook and and you're not dealing with your life. Making change from a place of self-care is hugely important and being able to be self-aware and assess what self-care is and when it's just not self-care anymore and then it's just distracting you from living your life and actually taking care of yourself, that is so important. It sounds like you had a real mindset shift there too, which is great.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, we talk about hunger cues so much in Balance Three Hundred and Sixty Five. I had so much shame around my fatigue cues or my tiredness signals, where I would not allow myself to just go to sleep if I was tired. Fatigue was always some like an enemy to be. It's kind of like sometimes we'll say in Balance Three Sixty Five. Hunger is not an emergency. And for me, fatigue felt like an emergency. Fatigue, my reaction to it was to hit some caffeine. I was on the the pot a day program. I always like to joke of coffee where, you know, the second I felt tired, it just wouldn't have occurred to me to rest my body and give myself that care, even though I would do that for I would say for my friend or my child that if you're tired, you should rest. But I would not have done that for
1: myself. And we had talked about this earlier, so we should definitely cover it again because it was so great. But um, for me personally, I had to start really thinking about if I was even treating myself even remotely close to the way I treat my kids. Like, you know, I try to make sure my kids are outside every single day getting fresh air. I try, I don't let my kids stay up till midnight watching Netflix because they're quote-unquote stressed. I, you know, they have bad times and they go to bed and, and we work on having good sleep hygiene with them and they have a good breakfast and, you know, and they get outside during the day. And that's something that really clicked for me and it was like, okay, come on. Like, is being a grown-up just... Does that mean just pushing away all those rules or, you know what I mean? Or does it mean taking care of yourself? Because I think some of us get stuck in this rebellious stage. We just get stuck there our whole adult life. We're, we're not doing that. No one's telling me that. I'm a grown up, but really a grown up should be taking care of themselves, right? Just as well as they take care of their kids or at least having some mindfulness around it.
2: Yeah. I think earlier we called it um, parenting your, momming your inner child. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mom yourself. Yes, yes. Yes. You got to mom yourself. yourself Mother yourself. Go to bed. Well, that's um, we talk. Yeah, we talk about that when we were building our plates. You know, I I wrote the one of the first blog posts I wrote for um, our company was essentially like about why we kind of have straight away from meal plans. And it's not that we don't want to just tell people what to eat, but it's what that we want to prove to people that you already have some really good knowledge. You just need to put it into place. And you know, I think mothers are the perfect example because most of us, when we build a meal, uh, for our children, I, I have veggies and fruit and protein and uh, a good source of carbohydrates and some moderate fats and, um, they're not consuming, you know, too many diet sodas or lattes or sweet treats in moderation. But yet when I when we ask women to do this for themselves, they're like, I don't know what to eat. And it's like, yeah, you do. You got you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So Danica, as a result from these changes, you lost fifty pounds. Yeah. And that's quite a a haul.
2: Yeah. I mean, I never would have I mean, I'm not the woman who loses weight while breastfeeding or that, you know, the weight just falls off or anything. So, um, yeah, just moderate changes. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's hard to say to people because, I mean, we talked earlier about how sometimes people will ask, my husband has also lost a substantial amount of weight. And so sometimes somebody will ask us about it and, um, And then they'll argue with us. So Steven will say, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, eating a little bit less and moving my body a little bit more. And they'll say, oh, yeah,
1: but did you give up carbs? Or,
2: oh, yeah, but uh, are you doing keto or whatever, you know, whatever trendy diet they have there.
1: Because they're looking – because honestly, the vast majority of the population is still looking for that uh, lightning bolt. They're still looking for the secret and the answer and – I think people want it to be easy, but the
2: truth is it may feel fast, but it is not easy to go on a super restrictive diet. It's miserable. I mean, everyone I know who's been on a diet in the last year, I'm always like hearing them complain and they just seem miserable. And it's, it's really too bad (laughs) because like, I feel like, you know, I've lost 50 pounds making moderate, but very consistent changes. So I mean you can't have both ways like you can't make moderate changes but then only do them you know less than half the time or something you know because that's not really making a change if nothing changes nothing changes but if you can think honestly about the changes that you're willing to make and the changes that you're not willing to make and then very consistently um make those shifts then it just it's, it doesn't cost that much. Like, especially if you're thinking about what makes you feel good in your body. Um,
1: yeah, I think a lot of people, they get, we know they get tripped up in consistency, but we also know, and I mean, balance 365 is about habit change, right? So it's, we, we know you get to that point where your old habits flare back up and you want to follow those old patterns. Your brain is telling you to. It's innate. Like, it really is nobody's fault. That's just what's happening. And lately, I've been, as I've been counseling different Balance 365 members about this, I'm trying to say, hey, look, like, just take the emotion and the judgment out of it and understand that that's your brain trying to follow a very deeply ingrained habit that you have. And now we can change that habit and for people interested in changing their habits and learning more about this we have podcasts on it habits 101 and how to break a bad habit and so and it there is something to say you have to stick through that hard time of when your brain is trying to get you to do the old pattern you have to stick through that and say no this is my new pattern but just take the judgment and the emotion out of it and um this is going to be my life now like you know Danica, you, I'm not saying that you should do that if you're miserable, but Danica, you know, you tried three to four meals. It was working really well for you. And you were able to say, you know what, this is going to be my life now. This is going to be the way I eat. This works really well for me. And I have seen the weight loss results that I was, um, you know, looking for, hoping for, or whichever it is. So yeah, yeah. And if it had made me
2: miserable, then it wouldn't have been worth it to me, but it didn't, it was perfectly fine. And it worked. And that is the key where you are experimenting on yourself. There's no rule that you have to follow in balance 365. And so, you know, if you try something and you hate it, like maybe you'll cycle back around to it. Maybe you won't. Um, that is kind of how I felt about sleep is that I had sort of, made motions toward it in the past and sort of half-heartedly maybe tried um, a sleep goal. And until I was really ready to commit to it and realized that it was was probably really holding me back, um, it didn't work. Until the time was right, it wouldn't work for me.
0: Right. And I think that's just such a great place to be. I mean, to me, that feels like freedom and peace um, that I'm able to make choices about my body without judgment and shame. And, um, you know, I can have this sort of um, air that's like, yeah, I could do that, but I don't want to. And I'm totally at peace with that. Or, yeah, I want to do that and I'm going to do that. And um, it doesn't affect, you know, how I feel about my body or my goals. Of, you know, or the rest of my life in general, it's not like this moral ethical decision. It's just like running science experiments. Like I have a hypothesis, this might work and I'm going to test it out and then keep what doesn't tweak what needs tweaked and then keep it moving. It's just an evolution.
2: That's what sleep has done for me too, is that it, has allowed me to stay more mindful and centered in my experiences, more in touch with my senses, like you were saying earlier, Jen, because um, when I have gotten well-rested over the past few months and I know what it's like to wake up and not feel like I get hit by a truck, then Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like I'm just coping through the day and reaching for sugar. I feel like I can have the mindfulness to say okay you know like earlier is this donut worth it or is it not worth it and um just be at peace and not like longing for the donut you know it's not the siren call of the donut anymore i just can objectively be like okay do i want this donut for real or not or am i just reaching for it because it's here
0: absolutely um Danica you've shared so many great insights and takeaways already but um just kind of wrapping up here, if there was uh, a listener that was thinking about joining Balance 365 or even our free community that was maybe on the fence, what um, do you have any advice, words of wisdom, um, encouragement that you would want to share with them?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all honesty, I mean, I don't think any of us want to... I know you guys don't want to push anybody into trying to commit to or make a change that they're not ready for. So I would say the very first step is to just be honest with yourself and um, and think about your life in terms of am I ready to make some changes for real? Um, it doesn't have to be the perfect time. The perfect time will never come. Um, and it also, you can't wait for the perfect time, but you can't wait forever either. Does that make sense? Like you- We,
1: yeah, so this was very profound in our community. We have a member um, who's a little bit older. Um, she has university age children and she said, um, I am the result of neglecting myself for two decades and putting my partner and children first. And I think she's um she's really struggling with her habits now and um and um she I think she had a type two diabetes diagnosis last year, which prompted the balance three sixty-five stuff. And I don't think she wants to alarm anybody, but I think what she was saying is like you can pay attention to your health while you're raising children and supporting your partner and, you know, building a career or whatever. And in fact, it's smart and you have to because eventually you could be paying the price later on, right? Um, and, it, and it doesn't mean an overhaul, right? It doesn't mean obsession. It doesn't mean, I mean, in fact, we see obsession takes you the other way. It makes you unhealthier, right? It's just, it really is about balance and moderation and just paying attention,
0: Yeah, and I was just gonna add to that, Jen. Exactly what you said. Uh, Contrary to what the fitness and diet industry wants you to think, it doesn't have to be the center of your life. And I think Jen, Lauren, and um, I—I mean, if we can, if I can, toot our own horns—really exemplify that because we have some really good foundational habits that help um, us lead a lifestyle in a way that we want to lead it, and we're not like you know, bending over backwards to get into the gym multiple hours a day or spending hours a week meal prepping or stressing if we, you know, don't hit a habit here and there. It's very, very uh, a lifestyle filled with moderation and balance and compassion and grace and flexibility. And that feels really good.
2: And knowing the three of you, I think it is a great example because I know you all have different areas that you focus on, uh, more than others in areas where you guys make different choices. It's not like all three of your lives look exactly the same. Right. And exactly. That, that is a great example of what balance 365 is all about because, um, because it's not the type of program where everything is very prescriptive and they're going to tell you where anybody is going to tell you exactly what to do. And that is part of just being a grown ass woman, right? Where you are deciding what you want your life to look like and what's worth it to you and what isn't. And so I would say that to anybody who's on the fence, I mean, if that sounds good to you, if you, if you want to make changes where you are in control and you are ready to be mindful and, um, and I guess, take control of how you want your life to look, then go for it. There'll never be a perfect time. And maybe now is the time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I like that. Well said. Now, now is the time. And, and really the, the truth is the manner in which we present the information, it's very like digestible at your own pace. It's, It's not a competition. It's not like this. Right. It's one habit at a time.
1: Addressing one area of your life at a time. And then eventually – and the other thing is it's a lifetime membership, so I thought that was really great how you included Danica in here, how you started with us, and then you kind of took a step back and went into survival mode during your pregnancy. And then after you got through that crazy postpartum period, you stepped back into Balance 365 which you could because it's a lifetime membership, the program and the community. Um, but that's the thing. Um, it is an evolution, right? Habits and things. It's, it is a journey. There's no there's no end goal or destination or um, that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Well said. Well, ladies, anything you want to add before we wrap up? Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> this is this, this, second time today I think we nailed it this time though um hopefully no technical difficulties um but like I said at the beginning like this is exactly how the program works sometimes it's like sometimes you trust things out and you take take what doesn't work throw that out keep what does make it work for you and um keep going don't quit early right right experiment on
2: yourself population of one I
0: dig it well, thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.